Well, thank you, Greg. Well, good morning. So glad to be with you this morning, and we're so thankful for our Kids Zone volunteers who systematically teach uh, Bible stories to our kids week in and week out. If uh, you can take out your bulletin with me a second and find this sheet. Could you find this sheet in your bulletin and wave it at me? We are about to start a series on Colossians next week, and this is going to take you through the book of Colossians, kind of my preaching schedule. And so just to kind of explain what the, the pictures are up here, Colossians is about maturing in Christ, and so being mature in Christ means gospel-centered, and so that will change how we think, and it will change what we do. So that's kind of the idea for the book of Colossians, and so you kind of have the, the preaching calendar in front of you there. If you want to study ahead, I wanted you to have it a week ahead of time, and so you know how to prepare for, for next week. As has been mentioned a couple times, um, we, there's marriage retreat this weekend. We were up there yesterday and Friday, and they're still up there wrapping it up this morning, um, but I wanted to come back and um, share with you. But how many of you have taken a family picture? Okay, how many of you have been responsible for the family picture? Okay, let me just say, there's always one in every crowd. Um, there he is. <laughs> you want a picture, Mom? Let me give you this one, you know? And so, yeah, I thought that was I just too good not to share. So uh, what I'm going to do is uh, kind of give you the message that I gave them on Friday night, only you're going to get the rated E for everyone version. Um, there's stuff you can talk about at a marriage retreat that you might not talk about in a general audience, so you're going to get the G uh, version. So if you don't want to turn to Matthew 19, you could. Matthew chapter 19. And we'll also look at some other passages before we get to Matthew 19, but first uh, let me pray and then we'll jump in. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would meet us in this text and Lord, just help us to um, pursue the changes that you want us to pursue for our good and for your glory. And Lord, while I'm talking about marriage and about training, um, Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, that you talk over me while I talk to them. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me start with, I know just seeing that picture up there is potentially painful. Uh, for some of us, that wish we were married and we're not. So there's some of us that have been single for a long time that wish we weren't. There's been some of us that have been divorced that it's just painful and difficult. There's some of us that have been widowed and it's painful. And I mean, so I get that this is a loaded topic. I also get that some of you are 12 and you're like, what on earth does this have to do with me? And the idea of training has to do with everybody here, but also chances are 
that you will remarry someday or that you will get married someday. And so this will be good foundational material even if you're not married currently. Okay, so, but first what I'd like to do is give you the gift of knowing the difference between training and trying. Training and trying. So let me read a couple verses about training, and then we'll talk about the difference between training and trying, and we'll apply this idea to marriage, but you can apply it to whatever topic you want to. So we will train for unity in marriage. This is where I'd like to end up. I'd like to bring you to a place where you would know how you're going to train for unity in marriage. But first, the idea of training versus trying. So, as I said, we'll end up in Matthew chapter 19, but I'd like to introduce the idea of training to you um, versus trying. So, Matthew chapter 4, verse 7 says, Have nothing to do with irrelevant, irrelevant, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Because he says, physical training has some value, but godliness has value for everything. So train yourself for godliness. And 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for what's the green word? Training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Can you be complete and equipped for every good work without training? No, you gotta train. Part of the deal is you've got to train. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Hey, how many of you have been teachers? You've been, you've been taught a Sunday school class at some point? Yeah. Can you imagine saying to a congregation or your class, especially if you have adults, I should be able to teach you real content, but instead, you're so immature, you're on a liquid diet. Can you imagine that? That's what the author of the Hebrews says. You still need milk. You need me to chew your food for you and give it to you in liquid form. He's not afraid of confrontation. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment. Okay, what are the four green words up there? Trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So what I want to talk to you about is the difference between training and trying. Trying is attempting to do the right thing in the moment. So it's like, I'll worry about that later. When it gets here, I'll try, and I'll try really hard. Training is doing what we can do now to succeed tomorrow. So we're going to apply this to marriage in just a second. But training is doing what we can do today to succeed tomorrow. So have you ever seen Paris figure skating? Maybe you're watching the Olympics, and there's people doing stuff that you can't believe on the ice. Well, I watched that when I was a kid once in a while, and I thought, it can't be that hard. I'm going to give it a try. So Cheyenne and I are dating, and we have her youth group um, at the skating rink because we're youth sponsors because we're super mature. And, you know, we're 20. And so we're skating around, and, like, I'm awkward, like, skating kind of-ish. And, I've, you know, I've been skating maybe three, four times in my entire life, and 
I, I'm like, you know, I remember seeing Paris figure skating. It can't be that hard. So I'm going to pick her up and do a twirl. <laughs> so I pick her up like a pretty little sack of potatoes. I said sack of potatoes at the marriage retreat, and she's like, hey, I'm not a sack of potatoes. like, okay, a light sack of potatoes, but you know, you, you get the idea, you know, I picked her up, put her over my shoulder, and like, like, so I took a step, and my feet just went, both my feet, at the same time, just went straight out from under me, and while I'm hanging in midair like a cartoon character, I have this, this thought, either I can throw her off and save myself, or I can hold on and just own it. I'll let you decide what I did. <laughs> no, I owned it. And uh, boy, my wallet was much skinnier at the end of that fall. I just fell straight on my bottom. And um, So, Paris figure skating. If you're trying, you would do that. Like, that's trying. Like, in the moment, I'm going to try really hard. So, Paris figure skating. We don't really know how to skate. We don't have a choreogra choreographer, you know, we, have, we don't have a routine, routine. We're, we aren't really talking with each other because we're mad at each other, but we're going to try really hard. Get the gold medal ready because we are going to try hard. How's that going to go? You know how that's going to go versus training. We have a figure, we are, we were skating before we could walk. We have worked with a choreographer for years. Our lives revolve around training together. Which one is going to go better? Right? Training. Training is going to go better. Training rather than trying. Okay? So let's use a marriage illustration. So if you're going to try, we're going to try hard. And so when it comes to communication, we're going to try. We'll talk when we get time to talk. And when we have time to talk, we'll try really hard to communicate. We'll talk when we have time. And important conversations will happen naturally. You know, when, when we have to have important conversations, we'll just, it'll, it'll just kind of happen. We don't have to schedule it. We don't have to make time for it. We don't have to. It, it'll just happen. And when it happens, it'll happen. And we'll try hard to make it work when it happens. Plus, we will try really hard tomorrow. Trying is like, you know, it's too hard to do today, but tomorrow it'll be much easier. I'll have more time tomorrow. We'll have more margin tomorrow. We'll have more energy tomorrow. We'll do it tomorrow. Watch out tomorrow because, oh boy, tomorrow we're going to try really hard. Today we can just relax. That's trying. How will that go? Let's review here. We'll talk when we have time. Important conversations will happen naturally. Plus, we'll try really hard tomorrow versus training would say, when it comes to communication, we will defend a weekly rhythm of undistracted, unphoned, and unhurried time. Defend it with our lives. So for Cheyenne and I, this is our weekly walk. We try to walk, try. We train to walk <laughs> five miles every Friday, and we walk slow, because we're not in a hurry, and we're relaxing, and the point is not exercise, the point is to be together. So we walk 20-minute miles, or even 21-minute miles if it's really a Friday, like we're really feeling it, and we just talk. And we don't have our phones out. I, I like it when we don't carry our phones. We're not distracted, we're not in a hurry, we're just walking together.
It's unhurried, undistracted, and a lot of communication happens while we walk, because we just walk and talk. We'll also know when we will negotiate the week or the month. So we have six calendars, at least, going on at our house. My calendar, her calendar, four kids' calendars, as well as a church calendar, um, so seven calendars. And so what we have to do is, I, I could say negotiate our way through the week or the month, but it's more like fight our way through the week or the month, like before it gets here, because it's like we just have to wrestle through each day of like, okay, what are we going to do on Tuesday? And we negotiate Tuesday. Then what are we going to do on Wednesday? Then we negotiate Wednesday. And what are we going to do on Thursday? We negotiate, and we try to do this on Saturday afternoon, because that goes so much better than when I'm grumpy on Sunday night. But we got to do it, you know? So, so trying would say, oh, we'll communicate tomorrow, because tomorrow it will be easy to communicate. Tomorrow we'll communicate as things come up. Training would say, we are going to do what we have to do to figure out how to communicate today. We're gonna, today we're going to wrestle through what we have to wrestle through so tomorrow goes better. Do you see the difference between training and trying? Okay, so... We'll work our plan to communicate. You guys get the idea. So trying is attempting to do the right thing in the moment. Training is doing what we can do today to succeed tomorrow. Hopefully that's come home to you, the difference between training and trying. Now, why is it tempting to rely on trying rather than training? Why would anybody settle for trying when they could train? Tell, you, tell, your, uh, tell you the person sitting next to you, whoever it is, why you think somebody would settle for trying when they could train. Yeah, and so what I have is trying is easy right now. Training is hard right now. Trying is easy right now. Training is hard right now. Trying leaves options open. So I don't have to do the right thing if I don't want to in the moment. I can do, I'll do the right thing tomorrow. I don't have to do the right thing today. Training predecides and eliminates all the other options so you can only do the right thing. Trying lets us feel optimistic without changing. So I'm reading this book on self-control, and she writes about how often people give themselves credit for the good they're going to do tomorrow so much that they compromise today. So they're like, tomorrow I'm going to get it. I'm going to try hard tomorrow. Tomorrow, oh, watch out tomorrow. And because I'm going to do so much good tomorrow, today I can slip up and have all these compromises because tomorrow, watch out tomorrow. But you haven't really done anything. But we have this amazing ability to give ourselves credit for what we're going to do tomorrow when we haven't done anything yet. So trying lets us feel optimistic without actually changing where training does hard things today, incremental things today. You don't see a big difference, you don't see a big change, but it 
We're doing something hard today that will pay off tomorrow. Especially if you keep doing it. Trying versus training. So we will train. Now this is what we're going to train for. We're going to train for unity in marriage. So we're going to talk about four ways to train for unity in marriage. And I'd love for you to pick one. But what I want most of all is for you to carry with you this idea of training versus trying. So here we are in Matthew chapter 19 for unity in marriage. Now when Jesus had finished these saints, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? So we have theological debates today. Several years ago, it was on lordship salvation. Then it was on open theism. Then it was on egalitarianism versus complementarianism. Now it's probably on the LGBTQ stuff. Like, there's different, different theological debates that kind of come and go. Well, this was a theological debate that they were having then, was what does the word indecency mean in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1? And so they're asking Jesus to weigh in on this current debate. And so the debate is, when can we get divorced? So they're having this big fight about when you can get divorced. And some of the rabbis are weighing in on one side, and some of the rabbis are weighing in on the other side. When can you get divorced? Kind of like arguing about when can you crash the plane? Can we crash the plane in this scenario, or can we only crash the plane in that scenario? But when can we crash the plane is kind of the idea, the plane of marriage. So Jesus says, how about we try to keep the plane in the air? Would that be okay? Instead of arguing about when we can crash the plane, can we stay married? And have you not read that he who created them from the beginning created them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. See that math? One plus one equals one. The two shall become one flesh. This is why we're training for unity in marriage. So they ask Jesus when they can get divorced. Jesus says, that's not why you get married. You get married so you can stay married. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two but one flesh. Again, the idea of unity. Therefore what God has joined together, the idea of unity, let not man separate. And they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And the disciples said to him, if such is the case, then a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. You mean this is for keeps? For real? Man, that's really scary. Yep. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let no one who is able to let the one who is able to receive this receive it. Okay, so if there's one truth about God I'd want you to have from this passage, 
about marriage is that God made the two of you one. God made the two of you one. If you're sitting next to your spouse, why don't you look over at him or her and say, God made us one. God made us one. God made the two of you one. So the state didn't make you one. I think marriage is important. Get married all the way. The state, good to have the marriage license. It's a good idea. But the state doesn't have that kind of power. You don't have that kind of power. I don't have that kind of power. God made the two of you one. God did that when you got married. God did that. God made the two of you one. So this is why we train to be what we already are. We train for unity in marriage. So we're training to be one because God made us one. That's God's vision for our marriage is that we be one. He sees us as one. So we're going to train for unity in marriage. Not just try. We're going to train for unity in marriage. So how will we do that? Well, I'm going to talk about four ways. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. So, if you're going to have to leave your father and your mother for oneness and to be married, then I think you should also forsake all others. This used to be part of vows, forsaking all others. So, you're going to leave your father and your mother, be united to your wife. So listen, if your mom is more important to you than your spouse, it's going to be hard to be one. It's going to be hard. If you haven't left porn behind yet, it's going to be hard to be one with your spouse. If you're having an emotional affair, going to be hard to be one with your spouse. Forsake all others. This is what oneness demands. The two will become one flesh. What God has joined together. So, forsake all others. So, with, with the idea of training, this would be something that you would do systematically. It would be something you do automatically. It would be be something you predecide to do. So you would eliminate all the other options. You would make a way for this to happen in your life. That you would forsake all others. You put safeguards up on your devices. Or you'd build boundaries in with your relationships. That you would make sure you're systematically forsaking all others. Habitually forsaking all others. It'd be something you train for. Number two. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. The word hold fast there could also be translated be glued to his wife. And so sometimes when I'm teaching this, I will take two pieces of paper and I will glue them together and the chemical bond that takes place. And then we talk about the pain of divorce. So I have a man and a woman glued, paper glued together and we'll try to separate them. And we'll end up ripping them apart into tiny little pieces to 
talking about the pain of divorce and how difficult it is to unone what God has made one, to separate what God has joined together. It's painful and awful. So you're glued to each other. So how do you train for this? Well, you train for this by consistently connecting emotionally. And so, again, I'm going to come back to the idea of walking together. Shane and I do this when we walk together. We're walking together, and we have time because we're out there for a while. We're walking slow. We're just out there, just us. And we'll talk about, especially, now this is going to make you vomit a little bit in your mouth, some of you. Like, you're really going to be repulsed by this idea. But really the way to get the most out of this is to talk about how you feel. So you're going to talk about how you feel about work. You're going to talk about how you feel about your kids. You're going to talk about how you feel about the finances. You're going to talk about how you feel about your relationship. You're going to talk about how you feel about the lions. You know, you talk about how you feel about whatever it is going on in your life. You're going to talk about how you feel. And it's going to bring you two closer together when you do that. You don't have to walk together, you can eat together, or you can fish together, or you can, um, I don't know, whatever your hobby is. But make sure you're connecting with each other emotionally, and that will keep you glued together. Number three, what therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So what God has joined together, this idea is to be yoked together, or co-joined in marriage, so the idea is like uh, joined together, like, like yoked together, like the two oxes are in this yoke together. Now, um, let's, say, let's say that the, they each want to go, this ox wants to go in one direction and this ox wants to go in the other direction. How's that going to go? It's going to be difficult, right? <laughs> it's going to be a lot of a lot of grunting and that's my ox noise. I don't know if that worked for you or not. That's the best I can do. Like really pulling, the ground is going to be all pushed up, and there's got to be a lot of anger and frustration, and like it's not going to make a lot of progress because each want to go in different directions. I shared this at the marriage retreat, and I'll share it with you. This might come as a surprise to you because she looks so small and cute and stuff, but Cheyenne has a lot of personality and strong opinions. This might come as a surprise to you, but I have kind of some strong opinions. And so we can pull in different directions sometimes. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, why are you guys smiling? Because you've heard us fight? Is that why you're smiling? <laughs> Ezra just like, yep, it's kind of true. So this is a fight we've been having for years. And it's like we... we, we Kind of get it resolved, and then come back to it, and kind of get it resolved, and come back to it, get it resolved, come back to it, get it resolved, come back to it. So I really want our kids to be able to run on our road. 
Because I really value strength, independence, physical fitness, doing hard things. Really high value. I want our kids to run. And so I want them to run three miles on our road. I don't want to have to drive them into town because I'm not going to do that. I just want them to go out and run. We've been having this fight since Asher was eight, probably. Cheyenne, like, so my value is independence, strength, physical fitness, all that stuff. Cheyenne's value is, let's keep the kids alive. (laughs) And, you know, it's not fair, but she points out that I've been hit by a car while I've been biking. And some of you know, I mean, I have been hit by a car. Like, I had... No teeth for a while from being hit by a car. And she also, she also points out that Ezra's been hit by a car. On our road! So she's like, seems like they could get hit by a car, Nathan. Shouldn't we try to keep them alive? And I'm like, we're not raising wussies. They need to run. And so round and round we spin. So we find a way to agree. For a while, we had to have the older boys take the younger boys out. And for a while, and now I think we've settled on Asher can run if he wears a construction worker green shirt and it's like between the hours of 10 a.m. to like 3 p.m., so not during the height of traffic. Uh, like, but we find a way... Like, this is it. Like, we find a way to agree. Because we're in this together, and we've got to present a united front, even if they hear us discuss it in an animated way. Find a way to agree. I mean, so this is training. Training says we're going to find a way to agree, and we're going to come to an agreement that we can both live with, even, even if we have to have animated discussions. Even if, even if it's kind of stressful and difficult. Trying would say, oh, we'll deal with that tomorrow. So find a way to agree. Number four, so why do people get divorced? Uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 8, because of the hardness of your heart. Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, You're married to a sinner, And the easy thing to do is, when you get hurt, would be to close your heart off to them. Just close it off, keep it safe, keep it protected from them so it doesn't get hurt again. Thing is, they're married to a sinner too. And the easiest thing for them to do would be to close it off and keep it safe and not get hurt again. But that just leads to hardness of heart. And your heart's won't soften over time by accident. So what you need to do to train is to keep your hearts open towards them. And the primary way you keep your hearts open towards them is by continually forgiving. Forgiving again and again and again and again. And renegotiating and opening your heart and talking about how you feel and listening to them and figuring out a way forward. But I know that hardness of heart will just lead to more pain. Hardness of heart will just lead to more frustration. Hardness of heart will just end the relationship. So keep opening up your hearts to each other. So if you're married, 
I'd like you to think about what's one way you could train for more unity in your marriage. If you're not married, you could think about what's one way you could train so that you're ready for marriage. So we'll train for unity in marriage by, and I'd like you to pick one of the things that we talked about. So what we talked about is forsaking all others, connecting emotionally, finding a way to agree, or opening your heart back up. There's one more opportunity I want to talk to, talk to you about training uh, before, before we're done, and that is we're going to do a, a marriage um, workshop or a seminar. There's going to be some discussion on the Love and Respect uh, book, and so I'll be teaching the first third of it on February 18th. That's a Sunday evening from 5.30 to 7. It's on the crazy cycle, which is like how we hurt each other by not loving and respecting. And then Kent will be doing the energizing cycle, which is like how our marriages heal through loving and respecting. And then we'll do the rewarded cycle the third week. So um, that's coming up. If you want to participate in that and learn more, um, work on your marriage, that'd be a great way to continue to train. We do need you to sign up though so we know how many chairs and that kind of thing. We know what food is coming. So Go ahead and sign up for that if you want to um, work on your marriage. Let me pray, and we'll be done. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving us, watching over us, and Lord, I pray that we would not just settle for trying, but that we would train um, for the unity that you have already given us. And Lord, I pray that you would that you would heal broken lives and restore broken relationships. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.